Hello and welcome to Music for a While. I'm Jay Nordlinger, music critic of the New Criterion. That blessed journal of arts and letters founded by Hilton Kramer and Samuel Littman and edited by Roger Kimball. This podcast is brought to you by Encoda, your site for sheet music. They're at encoda.com. N-K-O-D-A dot com. I'll have more to say about this excellent service later in the show. Recently, the Munich Philharmonic came into Carnegie Hall for a two-concert stand. The conductor was the orchestra's music director, Valery Gergiev, the famed Russian whose main home is St. Petersburg, where he leads the Mariinsky Theater. The concert started with a piano concerto, the piano concerto number one by Tchaikovsky, and the pianist was Bezad Abduraimov. How did he get to be 28 already, I wrote in my review. Two seconds ago, it seems, he was a teen. Abduraimov is a young man from Tashkent in Uzbekistan. About the Tchaikovsky concerto, I said, Abduraimov played the opening chords deep into the keys. They were rich and unbanged. They were also unrushed. Abduraimov and Gergiev were judicious and musical in this opening. They would be that way throughout. Do you want to hear that opening, that very famous opening? Here we go.
We've listened to the opening of Tchaikovsky's Piano Concerto No. 1, played by the young man from Tashkent, Bezar Abdurahimov, and the National Symphony Orchestra of the Rai in Italy, conducted by Yurai Valchuha, a Slovak. Another issue? Again, I'll read from my review. Oddly, there was no applause after the first movement, and applause is practically begged for here. I think Tchaikovsky and other men and women of the 19th century would have said, what's the matter, you didn't like it? Audiences often applaud after movements when they really have no business doing so, and yet they can withhold too, mystifyingly. This is an old issue, applause between movements. Maybe we can get into it, deeply into it, another time. For now, let's hear the end of the first movement of the Tchaikovsky Piano Concerto No. 1 with those same performers. We'll start coming out of the cadenza. Baby, how can you not? How can you not applaud? It's churlish or misguided not to. Anyway, we have heard again Abduraimov, Valchuha, and the Rai Orchestra. Let's hear from our sponsor in Coda. This is, as I said, a site for sheet music and an excellent service. It is an app on subscription. What I mean is, you subscribe to Encoda as you do to Netflix, Spotify, and so on. You get a bonanza, 30 million pages of digital sheet music, anything and everything under the sun. You can browse, practice, and play to your heart's content. Try it out in a free trial. Go to encoda.com. I'll spell that as before. N as in Nancy, K-O-D-A dot com. Download that app for a free trial. You don't have to commit. Kick the tires and leaf through the scores. Encoda is easy, voluminous, appetizing, and gratifying. Encoda.com. And I thank them for sponsoring music for a while. In an email, a listener said to me, 
I am the only New Jersey member of the Havergal Bryan Society. I evangelize for him whenever possible. I'm currently learning his John Dowland's fancy for piano. If I live long enough, I'll get his double fugue in E-flat under my fingers. Huh. Havergal Bryan was an intriguing composer, an Englishman living from 1876 to 1972, a fascinating man to read about. You want to hear that fugue, a few minutes of it? I certainly do. Here we go. have heard some of the double fugue in E-flat composed by Havergal Bryan in 1924. 
The pianist was Raymond Clark. Clark with an E. Let's go back to that concert, those concerts, by the Munich Philharmonic and Carnegie Hall. The second one began with a piece composed in 2008 by Jörg Widmann, a German in his mid-40s. He is Carnegie Hall's composer-in-residence this season. The piece was Con Brio, with Brio, which I reviewed in 2011 when I first heard it. I'll do a little reading. The piece is loaded with timpani, and imaginative timpani at that. There are also squirmy strings, at least one breathy flute, and other exotic or semi-exotic effects. From every corner there are snappy rhythms. The piece is a kind of scherzo, an angry scherzo. There is much commotion. In some stretches, I thought of movie music, music to accompany a pit of writhing snakes or a swarm of insects. Think of Indiana Jones, suddenly covered in leeches, having to find a way out of this jam. That's the sort of thing this music could accompany. The piece is smartly crafted, and I would like to hear it again. Well, I had my chance the other night in Carnegie Hall. Let's give a quick listen, the first couple of minutes, to give you a taste. That was the opening of Conbrio, 
Concert Overture for Orchestra by Jörg Widmann, played by the Bavarian Radio Symphony Orchestra under the direction of the great Maurice Janssons. To say it once more, I'm Jay Nordlinger, bringing you music for a while. The producer is Scott Immergut. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you may do so at iTunes, Google Play, and so forth. If you'd like to write to me, the address is nordlinger at newcriterion.com. If you'd like to receive this podcast by email, links to new episodes, let me know. After the Jörg Widmann piece that night in Carnegie Hall, the piece was the Brahms Violin Concerto. Leonidas Kavakos, the Greek violinist, joined the Munich Philharmonic and Valery Gergiev. They gave an adequate reading of the Brahms, I said in my review, sometimes rising above adequacy. The middle movement, adagio, touched the transcendent, as Brahms does. Yes, indeed. The adagio begins with a wonderful melody, a song, played by the oboe. One of the great violinists of Brahms' time, Pablo de Sarasate, refused to play the concerto on these grounds. I don't want to stand there, violin in hand, listening to the oboe play the only tune in the adagio. Well then, we're going to hear a bit of a recording by Itzhak Perlman, another legendary violinist, and the Chicago Symphony Orchestra under Carlo Maria Giulini. The recording was made in 1978. The oboist will be Ray Still, who was with the CSO for 40 years, 1953 to 1993. All but the first year he spent as principal. In 2014, John von Rhein wrote an obit in the Chicago Tribune. Ray Still, he said, died early Wednesday, the day of his 94th birthday, surrounded by family at his home in Woodstock, Vermont. Bach's St. Matthew Passion was playing in the background. Again, we'll hear the second movement, Adagio, of Brahms' Violin Concerto. We'll hear the first few minutes. You'll see that the violinist, after all, gets a turn. Sarasate need not have pouted.
we've heard some of the second movement, the adagio of the Violin Concerto by Brahms, played by Itzhak Perlman and the Chicago Symphony Orchestra under Carlo Maria Giulini. The oboe soloist was Ray Still. Valery Gergiev and the Munich Philharmonic ended their concerts in Carnegie Hall with Shostakovich's Symphony No. 5. There is always a lot of comment about the ending of this symphony, I wrote in my review. Some conductors have conducted it triumphantly. Others say, no, no, this is meant to be a forced, false triumph. You were going along saying, rah, rah, under duress. I believe the latter interpretation But I also think that once a piece of music leaves a composer's hands, all bets are off. Interpretation lies with the performer, especially as the piece, the time of its composition, grows ever more distant. In any event, Gergiev conducted the ending in in in-between fashion, I think, not quite triumphant, and not quite a weary, tight smiles slog. Let's hear the ending twice in two different ways. First, I give you Leonard Bernstein with his New York Philharmonic in 1959. was Leonard Bernstein and the New York Philharmonic in the final pages of Shostakovich's Symphony No. 5. I don't necessarily endorse this approach, fast and triumphant, but you know who loved it? Shostakovich. And he gets a vote, certainly. And now for something completely different. This is Lauren Mazel with his Pittsburgh Symphony Orchestra.
That was Moselle and the PSO, the Pittsburgh Symphony Orchestra, in the final pages of the Shostakovich Fifth. Very, very different from Bernstein. Two geniuses, two genius conductors, seeing the same music in different ways. Feel like a song? Me too. Golda Schultz, the young South African soprano, gave a recital in Weil Recital Hall. A splendid recital it was. On her program were the three Browning songs of Amy Beach, or Mrs. H.H.A. Beach, as we used to know her. That's how her name used to appear on programs. She was an American who lived from 1867 to 1944. The Browning in the three Browning songs is Robert Browning. The most famous of the songs is Ah, Love But a Day. It's not popular anymore, but in the first half of the 20th century, it was sung and recorded by one and all, including Yussi Björling, the great Swedish tenor. Ah, love but a day, the poem begins, and the world has changed. The sun's away, and the bird estranged. The wind has dropped, and the sky's deranged. Summer has stopped. Look in my eyes. Wilt thou change too? And so on. We're going to hear Kate Royal, the stunning British mezzo-soprano, with Malcolm Martineau, piano.
That was Ah, Love But a Day by Amy Beach, sung by Kate Royal with Malcolm Martineau. Well, you're nice for joining me, ladies and gentlemen. I have one more piece to share with you. I was reminded of it the other day when talking with my longtime, lifelong friend, Betty Medlin. Betty Stella Marcel Dus Medlin, who started out in Geneva. She is a pianist and organist. When I was a kid, she gave me the sheet music to Russell of Spring by Christian Sinding, the Norwegian composer who lived from 1856 to 1941. I remember that sheet music. There was a beautiful, elaborate design on the front. The piece was once universally popular, played by one and all, the world famous and people in their homes, too. You don't hear it much these days, but you should. We will hear it played in a 1926 recording by Leopold Godofsky, one of the greatest pianists who ever lived. Thank you again, everyone, and I'll see you soon. <laughs>